Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of The Rebuild, because it is a training camp kickoff edition of The Rebuild. Jordan, training camp is finally here. What are your initial feelings about the day finally arriving? Well, it's finally here. I mean, you said it. I'm like, I'm just excited because it just means, look, we're one step closer to football in the regular season and week one in Kansas City looking for redemption. Yeah, like, look, I, I, I've been saying it all along. There's certain checkpoints in an offseason. And basically, this is the last checkpoint before the season, right? So, like, to be that close, Henry, it's just like, I'm ready to go. I, I want football to start tomorrow. But again, I'm just going to go back to let's stay healthy. But I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Stay healthy. Excited. Stay healthy. <laughs> I'm excited too. I'm very excited. So let's let's get into it. As far as previewing this from a, a broad sense, we want to go through some of the position battles, some of the breakout players, maybe some surprise trade or cut candidates that we see going into camp. And Jordan, let, let's go into position battles first because I think that's in general the most tangible thing that comes out of training camp and that affects the on the field stuff besides injuries as well. I think that's the place to start. So I'll let, I'll let you choose. Is there a position on the field that you think is going to have the most intriguing battle this training camp? Well, there are some options for you. Defensive yeah. tackle. You've got Yeah, that, that's where you know. I was going. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going. Uh, so it is, it's got to be defensive tackle, right? I mean, last year, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi were those two guys. Um, both have since moved on. Larry Ogunjobi with Cincinnati, uh, Sean Richardson back with Minnesota. So, I mean, there's a, you know, those two guys are guys that we relied on a lot last year, particularly Sheldon Richardson, who, you know, and it wasn't always having the best game statistically. We've talked about what he meant to the team as a leader in the locker room. He, you could count on him, you know, right? He was a guy that you could, you know, every Sunday you would see Sheldon Richardson out there. If he was playing a little banged up, if he was completely healthy, either way, he was out there. So to me, that's the biggest hole to fill on this defense. I know that, you know, there were issues in the secondary last year and at linebacker, but like the first couple of offseason podcasts that we did, Henry, that was kind of the discussion like, okay, these two guys are gone. You know, we cut Sheldon Richardson, had some reaction to that. Of like, okay, like, where are they going to go? Are they going to try and bring him back at maybe a, a you know, a team friendly deal? How is that going to work out? What's going to happen? Are they going to draft someone? Like, what's going? What's the deal going to be? They signed Malik Jackson. We're going to get Andrew Billings back. You know, he came over last year from the Bengals, was an opt-out last year. Jordan Elliott, who was a rookie last year out of Missouri, and then a couple of guys that you drafted, and then Togiai and uh, the undrafted uh, Mar Marvin Wilson. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, Henry. If I had to say – the, you know, the two guys that I'm looking the most for from that defensive tackle room, what I want to see from them in training camp and kind of take the starting position by, uh, you know, the horns would be Malik Jackson and, and Andrew Billings. I think those are the two guys that, uh, you know, we're going to be looking at as our nose tackles, as our defensive tackles this year. I expect to see Jordan Elliott in there getting, you know, his, his fair share of work as well. I expect Togiai to be around as well, but really I'm looking at, Andrew Billings, I want to see what he has. I have high hopes on him. I know the team was high on him last year, though he, again, opted out for COVID reasons. And then Malik Jackson, another guy who I can tell you firsthand, the team raves about. It's one of those things where they almost go out of their way to bring him up. 
uh, how good he looks, how good they think he's going to fit into this defensive line. And I think they're expecting him to come in and really just fill that void for Sheldon Richardson right off the bat. So it really, the we're all, we're only going to really talk about defense when it comes down to what we're looking to see in training camp because again, nine new starters on defense, so many holes that they had coming into the season have been filled, or at least they've tried to address Henry. But if I had to pinpoint something, it's the defensive tackle room. And if I had to pinpoint two people in that room, again, it's going to be Andrew Billings and Malik Jackson. We'll see how those guys do, but I am looking forward to that the most during training camp. I think it's the most interesting position group to look at because for, for two reasons, you mentioned them. Number one, the starters are going to be new. It's unclear. You know, there's obviously some expectations about who those two might be and who the guys that are going to be kept at the end of the roster is also unclear. There's going to be battles for both spots, both the starting positions and the end of the roster spots, uh, kind of the, the reserve guys. So that's to me, what makes it the most uh, interesting position is you've got both of those things at play. The projected starters are, are definitely Malik Jackson and, and then Billings Billings, you know, being a, a starter before for the Bengals coming over. Are you Jordan? It sounds like you're pretty convinced. Those are going to be the two guys. You don't see Elliot potentially pushing one of those two or, or you know, for me, it would be Billings uh, out of that spot. I could see Elliot pushing, but I think if we're talking week one in Kansas City, who's going to be that starter, barring an injury, I think it's Andrew Billings. I, I, look, I certainly think it's one of those things where, you know, maybe we get six, eight games into the year, and it's like, okay, Elliot is really kind of – his play is kind of forcing his hand at us kind of just rolling with him as the starter. I do think it's going to be a little bit of a rotation from those three guys, maybe throwing a togi eye as well, but – Henry, if we're talking just week one coming out of training camp, I, I definitely think Billings is going to be that guy unless Elliot just has some crazy training camp where we're talking about him every day, how good he's looking and forces the Browns hand that saying, well, maybe we got a good role with this guy alongside Malik Jackson. But I definitely think it's going to be Malik Jackson, and Andrew Billings week one. I'd lean that way too, just because they're the most experienced guys, but yeah, boy, I, I like what I've seen out of Jordan Elliott. I really do. And it would be off the wall, but I wouldn't be shocked if Tommy Togiai makes a push for a starting position too. I really think wouldn't. So. I, do I expect it? No. But would I be blown away if it happened? No. I think he's demonstrated that in, on tape at least that he's got the strength to play at the NFL level. Yes, he his arm length is a little short for the position and, and those things, but – I think he's got some clear strengths that could make him stand out in training camp. There's, you know, we talked with Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. We, we've talked with a couple other draft analysts who really like Togi Eye. And there's even some buzz about Marvin Wilson. So I'm almost not going to be surprised if anything happens in, in this room. I don't even, it, it could go the reverse way. I wouldn't be shocked if Togi Eye, you know, is in trouble to make the roster too, because you've got Marvin Wilson an undrafted free agent that so many people are high on out of Florida state uh, that that's had some other issues. We've got Malik McDowell who's had his fair share of off the field issues, but is a talent as well. I don't expect those guys to make the roster, but the potential is there too. So I, I, nobody can be sleeping at at that defensive tackle position during this training camp because they're going to have plenty of competition for their spot. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say that like, this is, 
In terms of defensive, if you're highlighting one unit on the whole team, not even just the defense, I think that's to say that there's the biggest question marks here, right? And that would kind of reflect all of the moves that, I mean, I think, you know, at one point, Henry, you might have even, you or I might have gotten an offer to come in and like see what we could do for defensive tackle at the Browns. I think like that's how many guys they were bringing in at a certain point. I think when you see that, that kind of just leans your hand at like, hey, okay, obviously, you know, we're sitting here thinking like there's going to be some choices to be made there. And the Browns are looking at it the same way, right? Like, the more people, the better. Let's see what we have at this position. And I think that's what training camp is going to be for. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a fun, fun position battle to watch. And I think the, the, ne- the next most fun one for me is going to be at that at corner two spot, Jordan. And I almost yeah. feel like this has been a little under-discussed in – the fact that if Grady Williams is healthy, which who knows after the nerve injury last year, where, <laughs> who knows where he's going to be at. But if he is, I think there's a sneaky little battle between him and Greg Newsom there. I'm really high on Newsom. Of course, I'm a fan of his from Northwestern, but also just everybody we talked to in the draft community loved him. Eric Crocker thought he was the best corner in the draft. Chris Trapasso was really high on him. That, that I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see both of them. And I think the ideal scenario is they both come in and look great. And then you've got three, you know, three corners that you feel like you can count on because odds are, that, you know, given the, the track record of those two and Denzel Ward, they're not all going to be healthy for the entire season. Yeah, I, I actually totally agree. If I was going to go with, uh, you know, my second kind of group that I'm looking at, I would, I would go with that number two spot at corner as well. But don't you think that it's kind of at the point where everyone kind of just has Greg Newsom penciled in as that number two? I do. I, I guess that's why it's probably under discussed is because people are assuming Newsom's going to make it. And I do think Newsom is going to be the guy. I think he's going to impress. It's just one of those things to me that Grady Williams is such a question mark. Like if he comes in, Remember, this guy, when he came into the NFL, everybody thought he was going to be a first-round pick. He falls to the second round because of some concerns. But at the time, people thought that was a steal. So you're looking at a first-round talent here who, yes, has not been healthy. Yes, probably is at a clear disadvantage in, in this spot because he wasn't drafted by this front office. But if he's But if he is healthy, he's got the talent to compete with Greg Newsom, that's for sure. Yeah, I think so. I just think it's such an an if at this point, Henry. Like, I just don't think we can rely on Greedy Williams being – look, I'm rooting for him. I, I want to see him have success. Again, I think, to your point, he has the talent to succeed at an NFL level, but we just haven't seen it be consistent. Like, your best, availability, your best ability is availability, and he just hasn't been available. That's just the fact of the matter at this point. And, again, I'm going to go back to, like, he wasn't a draft – like, here's the thing. You know, a lot of these guys in the NFL, um, whether it be a front office, what have you, if you inherit a team and, you know, you inherit a, a, you know, a fringe guy who's like, you know, he was a high draft pick, hasn't really worked out. Like you're, you don't have as much loyalty to that guy that you would as a guy like Greg Newsom, who they, the Browns did draft. Andrew Berry did draft. Greedy Williams, of course, being a John Dorsey draft pick. Um, It's interesting to see too. Like, is there, is there going to be loyalty to Newsom for that reason. I don't know. I don't even know if that would be fair. Again, that's just NFL politics. But to me, I just think it's Greg Newsom here, Henry. I think he has the skill set to play alongside 
Denzel Ward complement each other. We talked about the press coverage and all the things that he's able to do there. I think he's a versatile corner, and I think that's what we need alongside Denzel, Denzel Ward. So even if that doesn't happen week one, I think at some point during the season, we're going to be saying, look, we have our two guys for the future at corner in Denzel and Greg Newsom. I am ultimately you're right. I think that's how it goes because you also mentioned, yes, the versatility of Newsom. He matches well with Denzel Ward too. So I think it's just a natural fit for, for those two to be starting together. Well, while we're on the topic of the secondary, Jordan, let's just go quickly to the safety position. How do you see the safety position shaking out? I mean, I think the three guys that, that everybody you know, has talked about, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, John Johnson, I imagine are going to be spending quite a bit of time on the field together. So that, that's probably why it's not being, it's not a huge focus area, but what do you kind of, uh, what do you make uh, of those three guys and who might, you know, be, be the two when it's just two of them uh, on the field to start in base packages? That's a good question, right? Cause I think that, you know, I think we do agree that Ronnie Harrison probably more of a strong safety than a free safety. I think we can both agree with that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's the case, I believe John Johnson as well. I think you look at him as a strong safety. So if it's those two guys as strong safeties, I don't know that they're going to be starting on the field at the same time. Again, maybe one, maybe a Ronnie Harrison or John Johnson slides into that free safety role and Delphic becomes kind of that hybrid but Henry, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And we'll see how this plays out in training camp and kind of see what Joe Wood's philosophy is with this scenario as it plays out. But I wouldn't be surprised to see John Johnson starting at strong safety alongside Grant Delpit at free safety, kind of playing that center field on the defense. And then maybe Ronnie Harrison, in more of that hybrid blitzer role. I think Ronnie Harrison is kind of um, slept on in, in terms of the run game, what he's able to bring there. Um, I think he he stepped up and made a lot of tackles towards the line of the scrimmage last year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it as John Johnson and Grant Delpit and then Ronnie Harrison be that guy who kind of moves around the field. You use him in blitz packages and whatnot. I I suppose I see it shaking out the same way, but I don't, I've, I really think that all three are going to play a ton. I really yeah. do. Uh, and and it, maybe it's almost even matchup dependent too, based on, on what they feel is needed, but gosh, I mean, again, it's hard because, uh, you know, Grant Delpit is a little bit of a question mark, but I have to imagine if it's him and John Johnson to start Ronnie Harrison, as you, you know, is just, they signed John Johnson, you know, for all this money, he's gotta be the guy that starts a strong safety. You have to yeah. imagine they still have a very high hopes for Grant Delpit, all the word out of training camp or, pre-training camp is his recovery has gone great, better than expected. He's going to be just as good as ever. Yeah. Yeah. uh, On and on. So you'd have to imagine, yes, it's Delpit at free safety. It's John Johnson at strong safety because they spent the money and the draft capital there. And then Ronnie Harrison will, will also see a ton of time. I think, I think Ronnie Harrison will see probably more time than, than the third linebacker for the Browns, just based on Joe Woods, scheme. So and assuming all three are healthy, I think there's going to be plenty of, of playing time to go around. But boy, is this a upgraded safety room from from what we saw a year ago? So how do you how do you think that the Browns are going to manage 
someone like a Grant Delpit in, in training camp this year. Um, that's another thing that'll be interesting. You know, we, there's a handful of guys coming off of injuries, Ronnie Harrison even being one, but I think like an Odell, uh, a Grant Delpit, a Greedy, guys that missed significant time, if not all of last year, how they just deal with kind of working them back in and, and you know, being conscientious of not overworking them, not giving them too, not working them too hard to the point where another injury comes about, Henry, how do you, do you envision it's full go with Grant Delpit right from the start? Or do you think it's going to be kind of like, Hey, we'll ease you back in. And then, you know, when we get a couple of weeks down the line, kind of full throttle before the season starts. Because his injury was so long ago, I would suspect that, that he's going to be pretty full go from the start. That, that's just my hunch. Um, he maybe, I mean, the Browns obviously are going to know better than I do, but both in the case of Grant Delpa and Odell, the injuries that they suffered were so serious that they're almost, it's not like they're, you know, guys that have been struggling with like soft tissue injuries or stuff like that. So it's almost like, I mean, you can ease them into that and I'm sure they will, especially, you know, Odell's a veteran, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, we're talking about a torn ACL and a ruptured Achilles. Like, I mean, at some point, like those aren't injuries that are like, you know, they, that necessarily are, are correlated to like overwork or anything like that. So at some point, I think they're just going to be full go. Now, I think, you know, the Browns are going to be smart with all of their players as far as the workload. And, you know, Stefanski and a lot of younger coaches, I think, have adopted a, a more relaxed training camp and, and preseason approach. We've seen that with Sean McVay as well, Kyle Shanahan in recent years. I, I suspect Kevin Stefanski will do something similar. But I don't think Delpit's going to receive like insanely special treatment or anything. Like I get, I think we're going to see him plenty on the field in training camp. I hope so too, because I really want to see what he got. You know, I think that the comment was made last year that kind of, you know, Joe Woods basically said like, "Hey, like we were planning on kind of building the back end of our defense around the versatility and the ability of Grant Delpit at safety, and then he was taken from them so quickly that they had to, you know." no secret of who was playing, you know, the Sindejos of the world um, starting at safety for the Browns last year, um, a Sheldrick Redwine, all those guys. So it really kind of crippled Joe Woods into being like, well, look, we got to run a, a bend, don't break defense because we just don't have the skill at the back end that we'd want to. So I want to see Grant Delpit get a lot of action, Henry, for that reason, kind of see exactly what Joe Woods, how he was planning to use him last year and then applying it but also putting a, a, a Pro Bowl caliber player like John Johnson next to him and seeing how that can boost his game too. It's just a lot of fun. Um, you know, we talk about how, how much uh, this defense has been revamped and it really starts with a, that safety position, bringing in John Johnson and just getting Grant Delpit back. Like those are two massive, massive upgrades on the back end of the defense. I can't wait to see what the secondary looks like last year or this year, because it was just, it was so tough to watch at times last year for as great as as the team was, it was just such a, a gaping hole that, that should, I mean, even if some of these guys struggle like Grant Delpit or Craig Newsom, it's still just going to be so much better than what they were dealing with last year. The last spot, I mean, we're basically, I I think the defense is obviously a a lot more in flux than the offense. So we'll touch on the last position group for the defense. And then we don't need to spend quite so much time, I think, on the offense. But the linebacker spot, Jordan, is the last place, I think, to go here. Of course, Jeremiah Wusakoromoa was added to this room. Uh, Anthony Walker was added to this room during the offseason. 
there is one, going to be, again, a, a lot of competition here as well between Jacob Phillips, Taki Taki, you've got Mac Wilson, you've got Malcolm Smith. What do you make of this linebacker room? Let's start with the starters. Who do you see starting, you know, out of this this group uh, for the Browns? You know, well, let's call it Week One against the Chiefs. Uh, so you're asking who I think the three starters will be? Yeah, we'll we'll call it three to start. But if if you've okay. got two in particular, obviously, as as we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, the Browns are going to play three safeties and two and two linebackers a lot. But let yeah. we'll start with three. The three guys like okay. your true base defense. So I think at one of the outside backer positions, at Sam, I think that I think Taki Taki. Um, you know, if I just had to guess, I think he's going to be that guy. Um, I think that he weirdly, I don't know if he got enough credit for how well he played in some games last year. I know of course, like he's had some moments too, where it's like, how is this guy even on the field? But I think he had a lot of good moments last year too, that kind of went not talked about because really the focus was just really how bad that linebacking core and um, you know, secondary, really just the defense in general, didn't get a lot of love last year outside of a miles Garrett. So I think Taki Taki is going to be one of those guys. Um, I, I don't see Malcolm Smith starting. I know they brought him back. I, I think I think they want to go young there. Another guy that I've heard that they're really high on, Henry, I don't expect to see him starting. I do expect to see him get some playing time. Curtis Weaver. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with how, you know, it seems like every time I talk to someone within the Browns organization, Curtis Weaver is another guy. It's Malik Jackson and it's Curtis Weaver are the two guys who get mentioned mm. a lot. For whatever reason so it'll be interesting to see how he plays into this as well he's another key guy that i'm going to be looking for in training camp because i feel like every year there's always like that kind of third string guy that's kind of getting talked about as like hey he's having a really good camp what will it mean come playing time in the regular season look out for curtis weaver to be that guy um mark that name down we'll see how he plays out throughout the season but i like taki taki there henry and then i i, I guess if i'm gonna go mike or middle um, I, I think it's Anthony Walker. I think they brought him in for that reason. Um, they look at him as an inside back who can be versatile, um, you know, kind of just provide what we haven't had from a leadership standpoint uh, at an inside backer. Uh, you know, we know how much he meant to that Colts defense when he left. Everyone was so vocal on that defense about, you know, voicing their displeasures with Anthony, with the team not re-signing him. So I like Walker there. And then I think at the other uh, – now this is going to be another situation too where I think Jacob Phillips starts day one. Uh, you know, the other outside backing position. But uh, I think uh, JOK, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa is another guy that like, you know, three, four, five, six weeks in, it's all of a sudden like, okay, dude, it's time to take the training wheels off. He's shown us enough. Give him that starting spot and let's see what he can do. I think that happens eventually. I don't think it happens right off the bat. I'd be shocked if it did. Though it would be a good thing if it did happen because it means that uh, JOK is really showing us uh, some stuff at that linebacking position. But I like Jacob Phillips to start over him. So if I'm picking three right now, Henry, it's going to be Taki Taki, Anthony Walker, and Jacob Phillips. So this is where we have our first disagreement. I, I am high on Jacob Phillips. I really like him, and I think JOK is going to start too. So I think JOK is going to start at will and, and then that Jacob Phillips is going to start over Taki Taki. That would okay. be, uh, I, I think that's really the, the most intriguing positional battle uh, in terms of who I really don't know is going to win. But I liked, I just, I, 
I thought Jacob Phillips toward the end of the season last year played with a ton of confidence. He was flying all over the field. I love his speed. It felt like yeah. the NFL game finally slowed down for him a little bit. Taki Taki's fine. I just, I don't think he's great in space. I don't think he's a great tackler. So I, I'm leaning more the Jacob Phillips route. I, I know he was, you know, obviously not a super high draft pick, from the Browns, but I really, really liked some of his late late season performances, and even in the in the playoff game, I thought he, uh, against the Steelers he played well. So I'm I'm all over Jacob Phillips. Yeah, I think the main thing with him and the main attribute, and and you hit it on the head was is the speed, right? We'd, I mean, the whole Browns offense or defensive plan in the offseason was get more speed on that defense and to be able to compete with the speed that Kansas City is going to put out there on offense. So if I were, if you were making the case for Phillips, I think it would start and end with his speed, no doubt. Well, in in the case I would say against him to 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 go against my own point is if you've got him and JOK there, yes, lots of speed. You know, can can they hold up physically in the run game there? Because those are two pretty light linebackers. Yeah, the NFL is trending that way, of course. But if you're playing base defense. At that point, you know, are you suspecting run? Do you have both of those guys on the field in a case like that? So that's where I could see uh, my argument falling apart a little bit. But in general, it seems like this Browns defense has prioritized speed. The other piece of this, Jordan, is do you think – who do you think is going to make the roster here? Because you meant – you know, there's Tony Fields – potentially, you know, in the mix that the Browns drafted. There's, you know, Mac Wilson – there's a lot of competition to even make this roster. And I think this is where you're going to start to see some, some cuts of names that are pretty recognizable. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I had to look at a potential cut from this uh, linebacking unit, Henry. I think that I would have to probably go. I think Elijah Lee uh, is a guy and maybe a Tony Fields. I think, I think it's gonna be one of those two guys. I'd be shocked if it was Curtis Weaver. So We'll see, man. I mean, stranger things have happened. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Malcolm Smith becomes that guy at some point. You didn't bring up a name that I think is in trouble. I think Malcolm Smith is staying. Mal- I think, Mac Wilson. I think Mac Wilson is yeah. going from this team. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. There, there are reports he was injured last year. But for I, I thought his rookie year was overrated. By a, a lot of people, I was not super impressed with him then. He's one of those guys that has the physical profile, but he just doesn't make the play when it's right in front of him. And then I thought his second year was even more disappointing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was injured and he'll come out and have a great training camp. But I think he's in deep trouble as well for this team. Yeah, I see, I think it, I, I weirdly think it's going to go one of two ways with Mac Wilson. I think he either rebounds really strongly and becomes a key player again on this Browns defense, which is a possibility too, right? We have to consider that that is a possibility that happened. Or I think it just goes, it continues to spiral so far down south that like you said, all of a sudden he ends up as one of those guys where you're like, damn, he really just got cut. Like he was just, he was a good player just two years ago. But I think that's kind of how it is. I think it's going to be one end or the other. I don't really think there's going to be an in-between with Mac Wilson, unfortunately. That I, I think the, there are some locks. I think those first couple guys that we mentioned, the first four pretty much uh, I think are for sure in there, but maybe Malcolm Smith is in trouble. Maybe Tony Fields is in trouble. They, if Weaver is going to push them. 
Yeah, it's either it's one of those things where I'm either going to look like the smartest person to ever walk this earth, or people are going to be like, "Who who is this dude on this podcast?" and get him off. So it's it's going to be one of those things with Curtis Weaver, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out, man. I, I won't be surprised if he surprises a lot of people this training camp. Well, yeah, you're more plugged in with the Browns organization than those listening to this podcast. So there is that. Uh, I'll trust. I'll, I'll defer to you for now. I haven't talked to anybody about Curtis yeah. Weaver. I'll, I'll, I'll be doing some more research after the podcast. All right. Quickly, we'll flip to the offensive side of the football. I think for the most part, things are pretty established here, Jordan. But anything that you could see as being a potential position battle that you have your eye on? Yeah, well, for me, it's, I don't even know if it's necessarily a position battle, but I'm really interested to see how the wide receiver room plays out, right? I mean, I just think there are a lot of bodies there. And when you talk about a Jarvis, obviously Odell coming back, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins, Kadir Al-Hajj, Anthony Schwartz was a third-round draft pick. And then, of course, you know, there's other guys like the Derek Willies and, and you know, like the, the JoJo Natsons of the world. I, I, to me, it's, it's Jarvis, Odell, Donovan, Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins, Kadero Hodge, Anthony Schwartz. Is there a surprise cut there? I don't know. I, I like all, all six of those guys that I just mentioned are, I could see being key parts of this Browns offense. When you talk about a Donovan Peoples-Jones, I know that the Browns are very high on him and I'm high on him too. I think he's a guy that can emerge as a, a solid, maybe two number two wide receiver in, in the future. I think that the, you know, his intangibles are certainly there. And then of course, Rashard Higgins, we know is, is the kind of security blanket for Baker. He's that guy that, you know, it seems like whenever he cut, you know, he's the guy that has two catches for 28 yards in the game, but one catch was a crucial third, third down and the other catch was a touchdown. Like he's that guy that I think Baker goes to and trust in those big situations. So I don't know about him. Of course, the Browns run back and then Kadero Hodge, um, how, how much value he brings to the Browns in the run game. I know that they value him from that. And he had some big moments and some big catches last year. And then an Anthony Schwartz, when you talk about 4-2 speed, that's game-changing speed. That's I don't care how good this guy is, how bad he is. If you put 4-2 speed on the field, the defense has to respect it. So I don't know, Henry. I don't know. How do you, to, how do you see this playing out? Because I, I think that – like those six guys that I just mentioned in a Jarvis, Odell, Donovan, Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins, Kendall Hodge, Anthony Schwartz. I don't know if I see any of them getting cut. If there was one, two, I think it would maybe be Kendall Hodge. But I don't know, man. That, that, that wide receiver room, is, there's a lot of depth there that I don't think gets talked about enough. Right. It, it jumped out to me, too, when I was looking at the Browns roster. I think the first five are set. Odell, Jarvis, Anthony Schwartz, Rashard Higgins, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I would be flabbergasted if any of those guys are cut. I would be absolutely shocked. I think the the competition for who gets on the field the most behind Odell and Jarvis is interesting, particularly between Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I I think Higgins is the incumbent there, but Donovan Peoples-Jones is somebody I have my eye on. And we'll get to to breakout players here in a minute, but that's somebody I I was impressed with last season. So he could push there. And then there's a second piece of it, which I think is what you mentioned is what, what do the Browns value out of that last roster spot at the receiver position? Because it's either Kadero Hodge and what he brings in the run game, but he he might struggle to find the feet, you know, find playing time or it's your guy, Jojo Natson, 
as a returner. Because that's how I think Kadero Hodge is in trouble is if the Browns choose to to keep Jojo Natson as their returner, which is, you know, a special teams conversation. But then I don't think there's room for Hodge in addition to, to Natson on this roster. So that's the problem. So here's the thing. And I think I don't think I don't see Jojo Natson surviving the Browns roster and, and making the opening day the 53 man. Main reason being you talk about special teams, I think that they're looking at Dimitri Felton, the rookie running back out of UCLA, as that guy to be, you know, that punt returner, kick returner, provide a little bit of a spark on special teams. That Look, I mean, let's just face it, the Browns haven't had a guy that can be a game changer or make a play when you need to really since Josh Cribbs left. I mean, so we've been, it's been year after year after year of what's going on with the kick returning game. I really do think that Dimitri Felton can be that guy. Reminds me a lot of Eric Metcalf, uh, former Brown from back in the day. Um, I, they're very similar body builds, very similar in terms of speed and mobility. I, I think that Dimitri Felton is going to be that guy for kick returning, punt returning. So I think that puts Jojo Natson on the chopping block. It very well may. Felton may be that guy. It's almost like it's uh, one of those things where one decision affects the other. And the my the reason I think it's interesting is, is it the special teams decision that then dictates the receiver decision or is it the receiver position that then dictates a special teams decision or does it not matter? Maybe, maybe it's just clearly Felton is the guy they have pencil in there. So Hodge is going to be safe, but I, there's a small part of me that's wondering if they, if they will think about keeping Nathan. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a clean break, but I think those first five have to be pretty set. And, And then uh, you know, there, there's some talk about tight end one, you know, Hooper versus Njoku. To me, that's really a non-factor because they play so often together. So, I and yeah. Jordan, unless you have any major thoughts on that, I, I think we can skip that for now and, and get to uh, breakout players. Who's a guy that you think is going to make some noise in this training camp, be a breakout star, maybe jump up the, the positional, uh, you know, the positional chain a, a spot further than people have them penciled in right now? So really, I think there's three guys. Um, I'll start with the defense, and I already mentioned him, and we've already talked about him enough, so I don't want to you know, echo too much of what we've said already, but Curtis Weaver. Um, I'm just telling you right now, Browns fans, keep an eye out for him. Um, send me tweets uh, at J underscore Climac 20, whatever. Reach out to me. Um, if, he, if he doesn't uh, pan out, feel free to give me all the smoke. I'm here for it. But I think that he's going to be a guy that we talk about almost – you know, Henry, we talked about doing a daily training camp react podcast. I feel like we're going to be having a lot of conversations about Curtis Weaver. So he's one. The other one is Tech McKinley. And I don't know if it's necessarily from like, a, I think he's going to be this huge breakout guy, but he's just such an interesting player to me. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with Tech McKinley. Um, and really, I was kind of having the conversation with myself. like, Why? Why are you fascinated with Tech McKinley? And then I kind of reverted it back to, well, I'm fascinated with Tech McKinley because it seems like this front office and Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta, these guys running the Browns organization that have tried so many times, time after time, I think it was like five or six waiver claims last year and weren't able to get Tech McKinley. So they've been so interested in him that all of a sudden it's piqued my interest to be like, why are they so interested in him? What do they see in him? So I want to see what they see in him and how that's going to translate to the field. So Tech McKinley Curtis Weaver are my two guys on defense. Flip it over to offense, Henry. My guys, is, it's going to be Demetri Felton. Um, it, it is. And, and not just from a punt returning and kick returning standpoint. 
I think that this is a guy that has some, you know, he's kind of electric out of the backfield. I think he'll be able to do some things in the passing game. You know, if Kareem Hunt needs a break and needs to bring someone in for a screen pass, that kind of thing. I think there are going to be a couple of plays that we see this year and in training camp where you're like, shit, this guy could, he could be someone down the line. Like, I don't think that Felton is going anywhere anytime soon. I think he's going to be in a Browns uniform for years to come. It'll just come down to if he has enough, if he shows us enough to warrant him getting, I don't know if it's necessarily some carries, but getting some reps. But he's the guy that really that I'm looking for on offense. And then on defense, again, it would be Curtis Weaver and Tech McKinley. So when you brought up Curtis, Curtis Weaver earlier, I did some digging and, and, and found some interesting things, Jordan. So let's, let's okay. give the listeners a little bit of background on Curtis Weaver. Yeah. So I actually, it looks like he's actually listed as, a, as he's going to compete more for that edge spot in terms of depth. Right. He's he's 265 at this point. He, um, you know, he went to Boise State, was highly productive there at, at the linebacker and edge position, moved around a little bit more in college. Uh, it, it seems like at 265, he's probably too big to play linebacker at the pro level, but 34 sacks off the edge at, at Boise State. 34 yeah. sacks, highly, highly productive guy. So he was a fifth round pick of the Dolphins last year suffered a foot injury in training camp, a toe injury, season long injury, never played. Basically the Dolphins have, have since released him. So the Browns got him and he's going to compete, you know, with the Porter Gustins of the world, maybe even with the Tack McKinley's of the world uh, for potential playing time here for the Browns. I, I know very little about him. I haven't watched him, but uh, I just pulled up this article that was saying, Hey, they were backing you up saying that this is somebody to take a look at. He was highly, highly productive and is somebody that, that people thought even at the time that the Dolphins took him in, in the fifth round could have produced more than at that level in, in the pro game. So that's the background on Curtis Weaver. Um, well, here, here's another piece. Here's another piece of background information that's important to know, Henry, is so, like you said, he got obviously drafted by the Dolphins last year, got hurt, missed the whole season. Midway through the season, the Browns placed a waiver claim on him. They picked him up knowing that he was going to be out for the rest of the season. They were hoping that he would be healthy for 2021 and could add some depth to that defensive end position. So that that tells you all you need to know, right? I mean, we trust Andrew Barry and, and, and his scouting and, and, and all of that. So the Browns took a chance on this guy when he was hurt so they could have him for this year when he gets healthy. I mean, I think that says it all. And 34 sacks in 35 games also says quite a bit. I would say yeah. that too. Uh, that, that is some impressive stuff. Um, for me, I'll, I'll, I'll go one offense, one defense, sure. Uh, I, on the defensive side of the football, I already mentioned him. It's Jacob Phillips for me. I think he's a guy that could be primed for a breakout year in year two. Uh, I really I, – I, I'm just a, a, a guy that's in love with speed at the linebacker position. And if he can cover, I, I think that really opens up a lot of opportunities for him to get on the field, uh, to go sideline to sideline against the best teams to me is the most valuable skill at the linebacker position these days. I'm also, of course, intrigued by a lot of the rookies, but I, I think Phillips is my guy. And then I don't know how he's going to get playing time, but I I'm really have my eye on Donovan Peoples-Jones. He and maybe just it's because it, I was so wrong on him coming out of the draft last year, but I was shocked at how good he looked in limited playing time for the Browns. He moved way better than I thought. He separated much better 
than I thought he was going to be able to do at this level. So I, I can't see him getting on the field over Higgins and the Browns don't play four wide receivers a lot. So I don't know how he gets time unless somebody's hurt, but may, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I have my eye on him as a guy that, that could maybe he pushes Rashard Higgins uh, with the training camp this year. Here's my question to you. And obviously we just started doing this podcast after, you know, the, this past Brown season ended. So I didn't really get your take on this before, but why were you down on Donovan Peoples Jones? I didn't think he was going to be able to separate at the NFL level. I mean, he came. I, well, dude, here's the thing, though. So you, I mean, I, I'm sure you're aware, but obviously he was the number one wide receiver coming out of high school, going into college, was heavily recruited by Ohio State. Ultimately, Ohio State lost the recruiting battle to Michigan, and he went to Michigan. And then, I mean, he was playing with dudes that, I, I mean, I could probably have more success playing quarterback at Michigan than some of these guys that they've thrown out. So I was always high on Donovan Peoples-Jones for that reason. Uh, he didn't produce a lot in the college, but who, who the hell did – who has produced that wide receiver for Michigan over the last five years? They, they throw the ball 14 times a game, and seven, eight of those throws just terrible, horrendous overthrows or underthrows. They just don't have good quarterback play there. So I think that played into him. But, again, he was heavily, heavily recruited out of high school. And that's why I'm high on him now is you look at it and you go, well, he's got the size. Yeah. He's got the speed that that there's a lot to work with there and I, I as the season went along it felt like he and baker developed some chemistry i thought he made some plays down the field that i really liked where i i didn't expect him to some plays on the ball the you know in the air that will you know weren't perfectly placed so a real quick too, he was you talked about um sorry to interrupt but you talked about uh Kadero hodge and his blocking there were i mean there were a handful of times last year where i was like damn like DPJ just cracked some guy. Like he had some moments in the run blocking game too, where like he wasn't shying away from contact. He was going after guys. He was playing physical. So I think that has to be said as well. It does. He, he plays real. I love that out of receivers. And, and funny, you mentioned the yeah. Ohio state Michigan connection. That's a calling card of Ohio state receivers is urban Meyer in particular was known for just hounding guys to be, yeah. to be good blockers, just absolutely hounding them. I, you know, with Donovan Peoples-Jones, his separation still wasn't incredible to me, but it was good enough that I thought Baker Mayfield placed the balls accurately enough that he could make plays on him. I don't know. I just – I was super impressed. I don't know how he finds the field, though. I have, I just I, – I haven't figured out how to square those two things, but he's the guy I have my eye on anyway. I, I think there's a good chance that he sees the field, right? I, I mean, I just – I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. I think that the size is there, the speed is there, the talent is there. I wouldn't be shocked if he – pretty rapidly becomes that third guy for the Browns. And, and maybe we see Higgins take more of that on that fourth role. So I think there's a chance that he gets on the field. We'll just see how it plays out. Well, we will have to see Jordan, before we wrap up here, any, you know, any surprise predictions or, or maybe even if it's not a prediction, is there anything that stands out to you as a, this might happen and people aren't really talking about it as a potential, th- you know, a potential storyline as part of Brown's training camp. I, I that's, that's a good one. I think it's just that at, at that safety position in terms of, of seeing, you know, again, it's tough to say because I think we're going to see three safeties on the field at, at, you know, at all times. But I think a lot of people were talking about the John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison combo, and then kind of figuring things out for Grant Delpit somewhere on that defense. I think it's going to be more of a 
John Johnson and Grant Delpit figure out somewhere for Ronnie Harrison on that defense more than anything. And I don't think that's been talked about enough. I know I hit on it earlier in this podcast, but that's really the only thing that I'm looking at I think isn't being talked about that we're going to see take place. The only thing I have written down, and I am not predicting this, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, is still a surprise trader cut of David and Joku. Not cut? I don't think it's coming, but he's he's clearly expressed his unhappiness with with the Browns at at times. At times, obviously, you know he 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 changed his tune there. I was pleasantly surprised at points last season by Njoku. I thought he was better as a blocker. I thought his hands were better, but I still think a lot of Njoku is tantalizing potential that hasn't been realized. He's an incredible athlete. He has incredible size, but he does leave you wanting still a little bit. I don't think he's going anywhere because the Browns use both tight ends so often. It's just the one thing that stuck out to me as I looked at this roster and thought, what, what's something that could still happen? It feels like those stories have died down, but I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, Austin Hooper is having a good training camp and there's all of a sudden some frustration coming from Njoku and then the Browns decide to make a move there. Yeah, I think it would have to be from a trade if that did happen. But I don't know. I think all that stuff is kind of by the wayside. I, I know, you know, from talking to people, seeing things, I know that Njoku and Baker have gotten pretty close. Uh, they're hang, they hang out a lot off the field. So I don't know. I think that he's kind of over that whole trade thing. I think he realizes that, like, hey, this team is primed to make a run. and It's better be a part of it than not be a part of it. And let's call it for what it is, too. Other than Baker Mayfield, is it safe to say that David Njoku was the best player on offense for the Browns against the Kansas City Chiefs? I don't think it would be a stretch to say that. Oh, I, I think yes. I, I, I don't think yeah. that's a stretch at all. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, he has great games. It's just one of those things where I – and maybe he, I should have put him in a, in a players to watch category. I need to see him more consistently because he, he shows these flashes where you're like, man, you could be a top five NFL tight end if you play like this all yeah. the time. And – He's coming up at an interesting point where at some point the Browns are going to have to decide, you know, what to pay him off of this rookie deal. And I don't know what I would do if I was them right now. So, hey, because he's just the performance varies so much from game to game. You mentioned the highs. The highs are incredible. I think he was the second best player behind Baker Mayfield in that game. That's a great point. I, I don't know how you really say it's anybody else. Maybe you argue for Jarvis, but. He really caused a lot of problems for that Chiefs defense, and I think he'll continue to cause problems when the Browns' two tight end sets. It's just something to, get, to keep an eye on as well because he's really the only player that's expressed any unhappiness, I would say, with his team externally. I mean, I know there's, of course, been Odell Beckham Jr., you know, scuttlebutt, but that's not never come from him. Right, and the other thing with Njoku, too, is he just turned 25. So he's still young, man. I mean, people forget, I think he just spent just one year – at Miami, then came to the Browns, had that rookie year where, you know, they of course, they were on 16. So, I, again, he's still young, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I still think he has all the talent in the world to be a special player in the NFL. We'll see if it plays out, though. Man, is he an unbelievable athlete, though. I'm watching him in oh, person yeah. his rookie year. It's, it's hard to get that out of your head. You look at a guy that size – 
He is just built. He's one of the biggest players on the field. And then you watch him run and make cuts, and you're like, wow. No wonder the the Browns took him in, in the first round. He does have that really high upside. So I wouldn't give up on him yet by any means. I'm not suggesting that. I think he'll be on the roster. That's just the one surprise move I, I could see coming. But, Jordan, I think that does it for, for this episode of The Rebuild. You're going to be uh, – well, do you know what your training camp situation is going to be like yet here with the COVID protocols? I don't know for certain. I know that I will be doing at least one or two broadcasts from training camp, but I don't know what it is going to be like beyond that. They're uh, really strict with their um, you know, credentials and everything that they're going to allow from a media access standpoint. Um, all of that really coming down from the NFL. I don't put any of that on the Browns, but they've been really strict. So it's, it's been a process of working through all that stuff, and we'll see how it plays out, but I will at least be out there. I'm, I'm going to guess two to five times. So I'll be able to provide everyone, you know, with what I saw from practice and all of that. And, you know, if you guys are looking for anyone that you want me to keep an eye on in particular, you know, tweet at me, all that stuff. And, and I'll try and keep an eye on things for us. Well, you will be our eyes and ears on the ground and that we will bring tons of, of training camp content to you on this feed. Because not only is Jordan going to be there in person some days, he's going to be talking to all the other people that will be there in person, rotating in and out, the Tony Grossies of the world and the other yeah. journalists that will be covering the team as well. So we're going to have tons of information for you here on this show throughout training camp leading up to this season. Jordan, it's finally here. It's going to be a great time. And it all starts next week. Yes, sir. Let's go. It's about to go down. Finally, Henry, I am so hyped for this. Kind of, again, just feel that we're so close to training camp. But I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it one last time. Just stay healthy. All right. We will be coming to you with more content throughout the week as storylines develop through the first couple of days. Until then, just two words for you. Go Browns.